0: Hey, this is Kerwin Santiago, pastor of Social Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I pray that this message blesses you and helps you grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. Has anybody been receiving anything during this series? Amen. And today we're going to preach on a subject, on the message, shut the door. That's why you see we have a little door up here. We want to go a little more in depth into what we mentioned last week. Um about how to deal with and overcome those areas of our lives that we continually find ourselves dealing with and fighting with. And the way to do it is shutting the door. So turn to somebody and tell them, shut the door. Hallelujah. This series, as we go into our third message of this series, the series is designed to help us experience something that is different than what we have experienced in the past, and specifically last year. I don't know how many of you today can say, I want to experience something different this year than what I did, than what I experienced last year. Can I get an amen? Does anybody say, I want to experience something different this year than what I experienced last year. And so the Bible passage that we've been using mainly throughout this series, is John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36, where it says, to the Jews who had believed them. And Jesus was talking, we said, to believers. He was talking to believers. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And I want you to know that there's a difference. There's a difference between believers and disciples. Many believed in Jesus... Because of the miracles and the signs that he performed. So they followed him. But a disciple is not just one who believes. It is one who lives and practices the things that Jesus teaches. So there is a difference. And Jesus was saying the one who lives it out, that one is really my disciple. So there is a difference. In church you will find that there are People that are believers and just follow because they say, well, I believe in Jesus. But then there's others who are really disciples. And those are the ones that actually practice what the Bible says. There's a difference between that. And we said not only are there people within the church that are just believers, they believe but really don't lift things out. Then there are the disciples who really lift things out. There are those who still have some things that they're dealing with in their life that they haven't been able to overcome and they struggle with that area of their lives and they're in church and they're true believers but they're just still dealing with this certain area that they need freedom from. And this is where Jesus now says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In other words, it's a process that you go through the day that you became a christian you weren't set free from everything there are some things that you still struggle with and you deal with but in the process god is sanctifying us and he is freeing us from those things amen every day every year of our lives we are becoming more and more like jesus if you if you think back on who you were from the day that you became a christian till now You you have to be honest and say, man, I'm not the same person. God has been working in me. There are things that have changed. You might not be where you want to be. And there are some things that you might still be struggling with. But you have to admit, you are not who you used to be. God has been working in your life. It's a process. Amen. And so they answered him. We are Abraham's descendants, have never been slaves of anyone. We have never been slaves of anyone. In other words, they were saying, What are you talking about being set free? What are you talking about? We're going to be set free. We're not slaves. And that's probably the question that comes up amongst believers in the church. You know, when we speak of freedom, it's like, What are you talking about, freedom? I'm a Christian. I come to church. And we have to recognize that even as believers, We can't be possessed by the enemy, but we can be oppressed. And if you don't believe that you can be oppressed, that the enemy is real, that he can come and influence you in some ways in your life, then you can't be set free. Until the moment that you can actually recognize, man, I can be oppressed. I can be influenced by the enemy. Until you get to the point where you can actually recognize that, you won't be in the position to where you can be set free. Because until that moment, you're living in denial. Until that moment, you're ignoring the fact that you can be under the influence. And so Jesus responded to them and said, listen, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And he included everybody in that. And I believe that that includes all of us. Because there's nobody, I'll tell you, I can tell you this with confidence that there is nobody here or anywhere that is perfect. That can say, you know what, I'm fine. All of us have some type of sin that we struggle with and we deal with. Everybody that sins is a slave to sin. Now we're not slaves to sin in the sense that we are dominated by sin, that we live a lifestyle of sin, but we tend to fall back into it once in a while. Can I get an amen? And somebody can somebody be honest this morning. And so everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We all have that one area. And so Jesus said, This is here's the truth. Here's the truth. The slave has no permanent place in the family. You know, when when you struggle with sin and you deal with that issue, you're living a life in the balance. Because sometimes you're good and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're strong and sometimes you're weak. And when you are living under the control of sin in your life, you have no permanent place in the house of God. But Jesus said, the son belongs to the house forever. And if the son sets you free, you shall be free Indeed. Can somebody say, free indeed. That's the process that God wants to take us through. It's a process of being free indeed. That's what God wants for you, for me. He wants it for all of us. But listen, it's only if the Son sets you free that you can be free indeed. In other words, can I tell you something that I I discovered? Do you know that the self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry? The self-help industry. Meaning that we buy books on how to become better parents. We buy books on how to become, you know, better students. We buy books on, you know, how to go on a diet. We buy books on how to do better exercise. Or we do a bunch of things in order to improve our lives. And that industry including the things that we do health-wise in diet and in everything, is a multi-billion dollar industry. You know, that's including psychologists and counselors and people going to these places because they're trying to improve their life in some area. That means that the majority of people alive today are not happy with their lives the way it is. Can, I, can we get an amen right there? Somebody, can somebody be honest on that? If it's a multi-billion dollar industry, that means that many people are not happy with their lives the way it is. That means that many people feel like they are slaves in some areas of their lives. They're dealing with a certain area they, they just can't overcome. That They seem to keep on struggling with. And a lot of times we'll go and run to certain Books and we'll read certain things that will supposedly give us the hope of liberating us or freeing us and giving us that thing that we need. We start doing that diet or we start doing that exercise or we start applying those principles that people promise, this is the thing that you need to be free. This is the thing that is going to help you improve your life. And then we realize that it's not the secret. That it's not all that it's projected or meant to be. We realize that we continue still to struggle with those things. What I want to tell you with that is this. That it doesn't matter what you try to improve in that area that you struggle with. It doesn't matter what you apply to that area. We can improve for a certain time. But all of us know we eventually fall back. Because the Bible is clear, the only one that can really set us free from those things that we continue to struggle with is Jesus Christ. You want to be free indeed? Do you want to be free really, totally, completely in that area that you keep struggling with? Give it to God. Come on, you got to just give it to him because it's only Jesus. Who can set you free. And So I'm not saying that self-help isn't important. That we shouldn't use it. If you can use it, use it. You know, because it's practical in some senses. But if you want true freedom, the one that can give it to you is Jesus Christ. He can bring the freedom that nobody else and nothing else can bring to your life. So being free indeed is a journey. It's a process that God wants to take us on. Listen, it's not going to happen overnight maybe. But it's a process in which we enter, we take a first step. We do something to say to God, God, here I am. Do with me whatever you want to do. And that's the process that we've been going through. That's the journey that we've been taking together. The, one, the journey that I've been trying to encourage you to do. And it helps to recognize that there is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. There is a battle that we have inside of us. Paul described that as saying, you see the flesh, the desires of the flesh or of the evil things are within us. And they are pulling us in one direction. But then the spirit of God which is inside of us is pulling us in the other direction to do the will of God. And so we have that struggle to where the spirit of God wants to lead us to do good. But our own desires, fleshly and worldly desires, pull us the other way to do the wrong things. And if we do not give ourselves to God completely, we're going to continue struggling in those areas that God and the Spirit want to lead us away from. We're going to continue struggling there. And so what we need to do is recognize that this is a reality. There is a war. And the only way to overcome it is by submitting to the will of God. Is by saying, Spirit, lead me. I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what you want. You know, the only way of overcoming it is by saying, you know what, when you do have bad desires of things that you want to do, is saying, you know what, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm not going to fulfill my desire. I'm going to submit to do your desire. I want you to get this because this happens, we've talked about this, this happens in prayer and fasting. Where does this take place in prayer and fasting? Listen, if we don't pray and we don't fast, we're never going to get to the point where we're going to be submitted to the spirit of God. Because our flesh will be stronger. It's like when you feed the flesh, you give it food. You feed it what it wants. It becomes stronger. It becomes bigger. But when you starve it, meaning fasting is a good way to do it. You know, your body tells you, man, you need to eat three times a day. And when you don't do it, you know what happens? We get hangry. We we get upset. Our emotions go crazy when we don't have the things that we want, right? We throw a fit. Because those things control us. They control us and we don't realize it. The only way of being able to overcome that is by not feeding that. Letting it starve. I'm not saying literally, literally, don't starve yourself literally, but I'm saying letting those things starve. Because when you do, what happens? It becomes weak. And what becomes stronger? What you feed. And if you feed your spirit with the word of God, if you feed your spirit (laughs) with the presence of God... It will begin to lead you and guide you and you will begin to do his will and not your will. And that's the process of being free indeed. That's the journey that God wants to take us on. It's a journey that God wants to take you through. But Satan will lie to you. He'll keep you in bondage by making you believe false things and lies as if they were true. And these become strongholds in your life. They become strongholds. They hold you down because you begin to believe things that are not true. And the enemy tells you you will never overcome that. And because you have always struggled with it, you give up trying. So you say, you know what, that's true. I'm always going to be like this. This is just me. And that becomes your story. And they become strongholds in our lives. And we live in the certain pattern pattern of bad habits that we can't overcome because we believe the lie of Satan. But I came to tell you this morning that Jesus said, if you believe in me, if you believe in me and if you live according to his word, you will be set free indeed. That's the promise of God for you and your family and everybody that believes you will be set free and free indeed. And so here's what I want to take us for this morning and this message today, shut the door. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 28. We read this last week in passing. But today we're going to dig deeper into this passage. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So he who has been stealing must steal no longer. Listen, it's okay to be angry once in a while. It's okay to get angry. But there's a difference between getting angry and then sinning because of that anger. There's a difference. The difference is in what you do when you get angry. You can get angry. Because we all experience that at some point or another. But it's the action that we take out of being angry that determines whether that becomes sin or not. And if we hold on to that anger, if we hold on to it and it festers inside of us, it becomes sin. And once it becomes sin, we are giving the enemy and the devil an open door. We're giving him an open door. We're giving him what we said last week is we're giving him a foothold. We're putting, he's putting his foot. I want to see if I can
1: do this without this door falling apart on us. (laughs) I hope it stays together. It's the idea. Can I get a, come over here, David. It's the idea of you. Go ahead, go on that side. Being in a home, you're inside the house. Imagine that I'm inside the house. And the enemy comes knocking. Go ahead and knock. And I open the door. And I answer that call. That knock, you know what what it's called in the spiritual? It's called temptation. That and that knock, that call is coming. Listen, if you're
0: honest, it's coming and it comes all the time. And so go ahead and knock again. Anger is knocking at the door. And if I go to sleep and I hold on to that anger, it becomes sin. If I don't let it go, it becomes sin. And this is what happens. If I hold on to it, what I'm doing is I'm opening up the door. And the enemy is right there. And what does he do? He puts his foot right in there. Go ahead, put it in there. And when I realize it, it's too late. I'm trying to close it now, but his foot is inside. Why? Because I gave the enemy an opportunity. That's what foothold means. It means that you give the devil a place. It means that you give him a position. He has gained an advantage on you. And once he gains an advantage, once you give him an opportunity, listen, bad things start to happen. Bad things start to happen. And the thing that happens is that you become a slave to that one thing, that used to be something that didn't control you but now it controls you because you gave it a place in your heart and in your life and now there are there are people man that just they're angry all the time they're just angry. They're miserable. They're bitter. Why? Because they gave anger an opportunity. They gave the devil an opportunity. When they opened up that door, somebody did something to them or something happened that got them angry. And they just held on to that anger and didn't let it go. They didn't forgive. And so that became a stronghold in their life. And You don't have to be from the world to experience it there are many christians in church that have given the devil a place they have given him an opportunity the devil has a position of influence it doesn't mean that he's in your house hello It doesn't mean he's in your house. You're like, well, I'm a believer. I go to church. I serve. I tithe. I do a lot of things. I'm a good person generally. I serve the Lord. I pray. I fast sometimes. Yeah, but you know what? You do that, but there's probably one area in your life where God doesn't have the foothold. It's the enemy that has it. And many of us can say, man, for the most part, I'm okay. Because we've given God those areas of our lives, but there's this one Thing That we keep struggling with because we've given the devil a place and an opportunity. And I came to tell you this morning, God wants to set you free in that area. (laughs) God doesn't want you to continue living under the bondage of that thing that you struggle with. See, if you give the devil a foothold, you give it to him when you sin. And we all do these bad things in our lives. Of the things that we struggle with, but it's how we respond to those things that determines what we will experience. And so God wants to set us free, but if we keep on doing that thing that gives the enemy a foothold, he gains the legal right to have a place in our lives. And I want, you, I want to tell you this this morning because I want you to get this. You were bought with a price by Jesus Christ. You belong to God. You are part of the kingdom of God. But maybe you've just given the devil that opportunity, that opportunity to come in and take a place. He doesn't have your home completely, but he has A place. And when we do these things that open doors and give the enemy a foothold, the devil takes from us the things that he doesn't have the right to take. I came to tell somebody this morning, listen, your family belongs to God. Your household belongs to God. Your mind belongs to God. Your emotions belong to God. Maybe you gave the enemy a foothold and he came in. But I came to tell you, you can be set free from that in the name of Jesus. God wants you to take back what the enemy has stolen. God wants you to take back what the enemy has stolen. Can you turn to somebody and tell them you got to take back what the enemy has stolen. Take it back. Just take it back. Can you say with me, can you say, just to say, can you say, I'm going to take it back. I don't know. If you've, if you've decided that you're going to take it back, but can you just say this morning, I'm going to take it back. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Listen, so you can see what happens. This is what happens in the place where the enemy gains this foothold. It says, anyone, you forgive. This is Paul talking to the church because of somebody that had sinned. And and before that he had told them, listen, just kick that guy out of the church because he is not repentant. So if he stays within you living the same lifestyle in sin, he's just going to go ahead and mess it up for everybody else. So just kick him out. And so they did. They kicked them out. But then now Paul says, listen, if you forgive, I also forgive. If you decide to forgive that person that sinned, I'm going to forgive too. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. What? What, what does that mean? In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Listen to what Paul is saying. This is about sin. Somebody sinned, kicked out of the church. Now, Paul is saying, listen, if you guys forgive him, you guys forgive him. If you don't hold on to that anger or resentment or whatever it is that you're dealing with because of what he did. We are gaining, we are gaining ground. On the enemy, and we're not letting the enemy gain ground on us. When we hold on to those things that anger us, that upset us, or for whatever reason, those things that we are not willing to forgive, when we hold on to unforgiveness, we are giving the enemy a foothold, we are giving him ground. And Paul said, Listen, we are not unaware of his schemes. The devil has schemes. He has a way of coming into our lives without us really realizing that he is working in order to grab a space in our lives. We don't realize. A lot of times we think, oh, no, it's just they did me wrong. That's the way I have to respond. They did me wrong. You see, I have to be angry. I have to hold on to it. I have to be mean. I have to act this way. I have to do these things. And we hold on to it because we don't see the enemy working behind it. We think, oh, it's just me. It's just the way I am. That's just the, just, just, just the way I deal with things. But in reality, the enemy has schemes. And the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You see, we don't see that this fight, this thing that we're dealing with and our sins and the struggle... It's not just you and it's not somebody else.
1: It's the devil behind it. And when you're unaware of it, the enemy comes in, grabs
0: a foothold, and it becomes eventually a stronghold. And God wants us to be set free. God doesn't want us to live in that. So it's very practical. What do you do? Paul said, just forgive. And that way the enemy will not gain ground on you if you forgive i also will forgive so that the enemy might not outwit us the enemy is not going to win this one come on you have to be able to forgive you have to be able to let go of some things in order in order to remain free in every area of your life listen the question is what are those things That we can struggle with. What what are those doors that we can open to the enemy? What are they? And I want to talk about three. Three general main doors that we can open for the enemy in our lives without realizing it. Three doors that we can open up and be unaware that we've opened them up for the enemy. to come into our lives. And take a place and take a seat. And gain ground on us. Three doors. Listen. 1 John chapter 2.
1: Verse 15 to 17, let me open it so you can see the verse. Can somebody help me with the tissue there so we can hold it. It says, First John two fifteen to 17, do
0: not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. And here we see that there are three big doors. Three big doors that we are exposed to, that we can open up to the enemy to come in. These are three main areas in which all of us are tempted. All of us. The enemy doesn't use new schemes. The enemy is not creative. He uses the same old thing over and over to tempt everyone and cause everyone to sin. These are the three things that it says in 1 John 2, 15, 17. It's the lust of the flesh which summarize, it has to deal with our passions. Also, the lust of the eyes, number two, which deal with our possessions. And number three, the pride of life, which deals with our position. Our position. So, number one, passions. The lust of the flesh. The one area, the first area in which we can be tempted, in which the enemy can come in, in which we can open up a door for sin to come into our lives is when we take into account our feelings over everything else. It's our passion. It's our passion. We all have feelings. We all have feelings. Listen, we all have them. We all have passions. But giving your feelings too much consideration is a It's not that feelings are wrong. We all have them and we need them. They're natural to us. They help us when it's positive. But when we give too much consideration to them, they can actually hurt us.
1: You see, can I be honest? You can't trust your feelings. Paul said himself, we read this last week. He said, I don't even understand myself. The things that I want to do, I
0: don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. Why? Because, listen, we have these feelings and these desires inside of us that are constantly trying to lead us away from God. And those feelings are feelings that in our mind and in our thoughts, they actually seem to be good. We, When we have them, we're like, yeah, that feels good. I should do that. But this is the truth. Not everything that feels good we should do. Not everything that feels good should we be doing. Our feelings need to come under the subjection of God's will. I want to tell you that. Because a lot of us have given our feelings rule over God's word, but God's word has to be has to take precedence over our feelings. God's rule, God's word, God's will has to be first in our lives before our feelings. In other words, I should say, God, let your will be done and not mine. I want to do what pleases you, not what pleases me. Because feelings try to pull us away from God. The devil says to us and our society tells us, listen, this is the, the, the thing that we hear all the time. If it feels good... Do it. If it feels good, then do it. Why not? If that's what you want,
1: haven't you heard this before? If that's what you want, go for it. Go for it. It's what I want. feels good. And culture and society and people around you that don't have God
0: as ruler over their lives will say, you know what rules mean? feeling. If it feels good,
1: just do it. If it's what you want, then go for it. And we open up the door to the enemy when we give in
0: to our feelings that seem to be good but lead us to bad. We give an open door to the enemy in those areas of lustful appetites, of immorality in the sexual area. We give room to the enemy to come in into our lives. When you're watching pornography or when you're having that conversation with that person or when you're drinking or when you're doing that thing, and I'm not saying that all of these necessarily to a certain extent are bad, but when we give room to the enemy to come in, to come in, and we open that door, in the area of pornography, definitely there's no room there to give. In the area of sexual immorality, there's no room to give. But there are other areas that you know that, you know, the Bible doesn't clearly say that we shouldn't drink. It just says don't get drunk. So in those areas we say, you know, well, I'm just having one. But one leads to two and two leads to three and the three four.
1: And then after that that leads that that state that you come into leads you to something else. You
0: know, and it's that conversation with the person you're not supposed to have and it's just I'm just saying hi. But the high leads to something else. It's just a hello. But that hello leads to something else. And we don't realize that those decisions are the things that give the enemy that foothold. And he comes in and maybe he's not in all the way. But man, he's got a place in there. You see, and it's that open door to where you're like, man, why do I continue to struggle and deal with that issue? And always go back to the same thing. It's because the door is open. It's open. Yay. Listen. It doesn't matter how it is. The door of passions is always there. And the enemy's always going to come and knock on the door of passions with temptation. He's going to come and knock. And you have that chance to open or to leave it closed. But remember that the moment that you open it, you give in to that thing and the enemy grabs A foothold grabs a position. He takes that opportunity and he takes that place in your life. That's not the only one. Listen, number two. Number two, the second door, general door that we can open to the enemy is the lust of the eyes. That's what John says here. The lust of the eyes is the possessions that we have. You see, there's a motto in the United States that says, I want it all and I want it now. I want it all, and I want it now. That's how we live. Come on. I want it all. Everything I see, I want it. And when do I want it? I want it now. That's why we make the lines to get that new phone. And we spend hours and hours and overnight. And we, we lose sleep at night. We stay up till 4 in the morning waiting, you know, for those new sneakers to, you know, go online for sale. So that we can be the first ones to purchase that.
1: I want it all. And I want it. It's the lust of the eyes, the possessions. We live in a generation and a society that is consumer
0: based. It's consumer based. And greed sets into our hearts. And we want more and more and more. We begin to think that possessions can actually make us happy. And that's why we do it. Because we say, man, I just, I need that new phone. Or I need that, those new sneakers. Or I need that new car. Or I just can't wait to get that new house. Or that new shirt. Or those new pants. Or whatever it is. I just can't wait to do it. I can't wait to get it. We see things and we want it all. And we we want it now. And we're constantly living off of greed. Wanting more and more. And then we realize, listen, we're never satisfied.
1: We're Never satisfied. That's nature. He said, I have four kids. If you have kids, you know this is true. They always want something. And they beg for it. And once they get it, they forget about it. They play more with the box
0: that that thing came in than the thing that they were asking for. And they forget it and then it's not enough. They want the next thing. The Next thing. That's how we are. Possessions grab a hold of us because we think they're going to make us happy. And the enemy comes knocking and saying, listen, look what I got. We see these new things and all the things that we want. When we open up the door into one of them, we say, oh, it's just this one thing. I just want to get one more. It's just that one more thing that I need. You open up the door. The enemy grabs a position. And we fall into the trap that we can't get out of. And that it's always us constantly wanting more and more and more. And we can't break the chain. We become slaves to it. And number three, the third big door that we can open up to the enemy, is the door of the pride of life. It's a position. Position. We think of ourselves in this area way too much, more than what we should.
1: The door of position, position, not possessions, position, is the door in which we think that we are more than
0: what we really are. You know, this is another thing in this society that probably my generation didn't deal with in the generation before. Everyone in this generation wants to be famous. That's a goal. It's the temptation of position. Position. We want to have position. We elevate ourselves above others. And pride comes in. And it's something, listen, pride Pride is something that the Bible tells us that God resists. Something that God resists. God resists those that are prideful. But he gives grace to the humble. Listen, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with. These three general areas, these three big doors, the one about passions, the one about possessions, and the one about position. We all, in some way or another, we deal with it. It's passions, possessions, and position. Another way of saying it is sex, salary, status. I heard from a pastor one day that he said this. This is the way he described it to his young people when he was teaching them girls, gold, and glory. It's a temptation to feel, it's a temptation to have, the temptation to be. Another person described it as PMS. It's PMS. PMS, power, money, and sex. These are the three main general areas that we all struggle with that we can open up a door to the enemy. When we look at Jesus' temptation, we see that this is true. Jesus was tempted in these three areas as well. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 3, it says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Tell them to become bread. What was he telling them? He he was dealing with his passions. Tell them to become bread. In other words, give in to your passions. In verse 5 and 6, the devil took him. To the holy city, had him stand on the highest point on the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up and in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. What was he dealing with here? Position. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. God won't let you fall. Position. Position. And then in verse 8 and 9, he says, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, all this, I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. What was he dealing with? Position. Possessions. Possessions. I will give all this to you. Possessions. The three main areas in which the enemy will always, always tempt you to try and get you to open up the door. And he'll come and he'll knock on that door until you open up but I came to tell somebody this morning listen, you don't have to open up there is a solution, the solution is that you can shut the door on the devil, you can keep him out of your life you don't have to let him come in you don't have to open up the door today you can decide I will shut the door on possessions, I'm going to shut the door on position, I'm going to shut the door on my passions it doesn't matter what, I'm not going to let the devil come in and
1: have his way in my life. So what's the solution for the lust of the flesh or passions? The solution is integrity. Say with me, integrity. Write that down.
0: Because that's the solution. How do you shut the door on your passions? How do you shut
1: the door on the lust of the flesh? You shut it. With integrity. You see, integrity is not being
0: clean or perfect or holy. Integrity means being whole. A person of integrity is not
1: perfect. It just means that he or she doesn't live two lives. You see, a hypocrite puts on one mask at the church And then when he goes to work, he takes that one off and he puts another mask on. That's not integrity. He goes home and he takes off the mask from work and he puts another one on.
0: That's not integrity. There's no wholeness in it. Integrity, listen, integrity means I'm going to take the mask off.
1: Integrity is not being perfect. Integrity is being honest. Hello, somebody. Listen, I
0: want to take the pressure off of you this morning because a lot of us feel like we have to be perfect. And it's not about being perfect. It's about being honest. That's what repentance is for. That's why God has given us repentance. And we should come to him always in repentance daily if we need to. The Lord's prayer says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. In other words, listen, we will sin. And what is integrity? Integrity is recognizing I failed. I made a mistake. I messed up. I did wrong. But you know what? I admit it. I recognize it. I confess it. And I repent of it. That's integrity. It's being honest. It's accepting the fact that you are not perfect. That's why we see in Proverbs... Chapter 5, verse 7 to 10, it says, now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. He's saying, listen, stick to the right Path. Do not go near the door of passions. Do not go near the door of lust because when you go near it listen you can lose your life in the process it might be just a small opening in the beginning but eventually the enemy will come in and he will abide inside of it and take control of you and make it a stronghold in your life and you know what happens you'll face consequences and the consequences that you will face will be that maybe you'll lose your marriage or maybe you'll lose your family or maybe you'll lose your kids or maybe you'll lose your job but some Something will happen and the thing that
1: you worked so hard for, the enemy will steal from you. Because you opened the door. And God says, you want to shut the door on
0: passions? Do you want to shut the door on the lust of the flesh? Be a person of integrity. Be a person of integrity. That's what God is calling us to. Romans chapter 6 verse 12 to 14 in the message Bible says that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny and any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. And that's what I came to tell somebody this morning. You don't have to do what sin tells you. You don't have to open up the door every time. And lust or the passions come knocking, you can say, you know what, today I'm going to shut the door on those passions and I'm not going to open it. I'm going to say yes to God and no to the devil in the name of Jesus. I don't know if anybody here says that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut the door. I'm going to say yes to God no to the devil. How do we shut the door on the lust of the eyes, on the temptation of
1: possessions? We do it with generosity. And I know this point is probably not going to be the most popular point. But it's generosity. If you want to break the grip of materialism over your life, of possessions
0: over your life, begin giving. You have to give. Listen, that's the way. You can pray. You can fast. You can, but if you keep on holding on to things in your life and you are never generous and you never give others who are in need, you will continue to be under the bondage of materialism and possession. Instead of you possessing them, they will possess you. And so I want to let you know that the way of shutting the door on, on the lust of the eyes, on the temptation to have more and more in life is by just letting go. And breaking the grip of materialism over our lives. You see, when we give, we are most like God. When we give, we are being most like God. The devil tells us continually take, 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 take. But God says give, give, give. That's who God is.
1: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And
0: it's not just about giving. It's about where we give first.
1: In Genesis 4, 2-7, to we see the story of
0: Cain and Abel. You guys know the story of Cain and Abel. Where it says in the Bible, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn. firstborn. Say with me, firstborn. It was two or three, now everybody. Firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel. The one that brought the firstborn of his flock. He looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look on with favor. So Cain got angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Possessions. Somebody say possessions. We got to let go. We got to give. We got to give. The only way of breaking the grip of materialism over our lives is by giving. You got to give. And the way of giving to God is by giving our tithes and our offerings. Maybe you have never practiced this before. Maybe you have never done it before. But it's not just about saying to God, God, I'm just going to give you a little bit of what I have left over after I paid all my bills and I've done everything I want to do. That's not giving to God As priority. That's not putting God first in every area of our lives. As long as we do that, God is still not first. And possessions still rule over us instead of us ruling over possessions. But I want you to know that God desires something different for us. He wants us to be free in this area. He wants us to be free in the area of possessions. He wants us to live free so that we no longer have to be held by those things that we're continually desiring to have. God wants you to be a person that can look to him as the one that has control over everything and that can provide every single thing that you need. And give tithes and offerings to close that door. God says test me in this if I will not open up the heavens. And pour out a blessing that you will not have room to contain. I'm telling you that this is a promise from God. And not only that, but the Bible says that I, he will rebuke the devourer. You see, the devil that's coming to touch everything that you have, that little open door that you've given him to come in. And it seems like what you make is not enough. Once you start giving to God and you tithe and you give your offerings, listen, you shut the door on the enemy. And he can no longer come in to take advantage of the things that you have in your life. You see, we have to give God. God, but not only give him, we have to give him first. First. We have to give him what we have first. The first of everything. Say with me, we got to give God the first of everything. It's the first of everything. You see, Sunday is the first day of the week, we got to give it to God. You see, I know, I know there's a temptation to say, you know what, on Sunday it's our day off, probably it's our only day off, let's go to the beach, you know, let's hang out with the family, let's go do, let's go on a weekend uh, trip, let's do something. If there's a temptation to say on the first day of the week, because maybe it's the only day off that we might have to say, listen, let's go somewhere else, let's give it to something else, let's go to the mall, let's go shopping, let's do something, let's watch a movie, but you know what, I think that we should give God Everything, in every area, everything first. Everything belongs to God first. We should give God the first day of the week. We should make a commitment to say, you know what, God, from this day on, I'm going to give you the first day of the week on Sundays. I'm not going to compromise them anymore. I'm going to come to your house of worship. I'm going to congregate with other believers, and I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to give you that first part of the day. Because later after church is over at by noontime, you can go into the beach, you can go out, you can go wherever you want. But listen, something has to change. I don't know if anybody here says, I don't want to continue living the same way I've been living. Something has to change. I gotta be willing to shut the door on the enemy. And last of all but not least, last of all but not least,
1: if we want to shut the door on the pride of life, on the temptation of position, pride. The only way
0: of shutting that door is by becoming humble. Humility, say with me, humility is the key to shutting the door on the pride of life. One pastor once said, a man on his face can never fall from that position. You see, when you're praying, and when you're seeking God, and you're in his presence, you can't go lower than that, my friend.
1: There's one thing that I've struggled with in the past. Can I be honest with you? I've struggled with getting on my knees. You know why? Because when I do, I have to humble myself. Getting on your knees is an act of humility. You know why I tell you? Because the thing that I struggle
0: with is that when I'm home and my wife is around or my kids around, and I think about getting on my knees, I sort of start going through some... Feelings of shame and embarrassment. Because
1: I think, man, what if they walk by and they see me? What, what does that say of me? That, I, that, I, that I'm not independent? That I'm not strong enough? That I don't, I don't have it all together? That I need God? So I struggle with it. Because
0: the moment I get on my knees, I know that I'm just humbling myself to the lowest point that I could ever humble myself because by getting on my knees, I'm recognizing, man, I don't have it all together.
1: When I get on my knees, I have to recognize that I am not independent. I depend on somebody greater than me. And if we want to shut the door on pride and position, man, can I suggest at this point? Get on your knees. There's no quicker way
0: of humbling ourselves than to get on our knees and recognize that we depend on God for everything. You know how hard it is for one who is supposed to be the provider of the home, the one that sustains all the others, to get on his knees
1: and say, God, can you please provide because I don't know what to do. You know how humbling it is? God says in his word, he resists the pride, the prideful, but he
0: gives grace to the humble. When you get on your knees and you recognize your dependence on him, you shut that door on pride. And God will no longer resist you and push you away. Because for, maybe for some of you here this morning, you've been living your life and you've been saying, man, I feel like God is so far away. You know why maybe? Because you haven't recognized that you depend on him yet. Because maybe, maybe you've just been pushing him away by trying to do things on your own strength and on your own intelligence.
1: But when you get on your knees, you give all that up. You give up your position. You give up your pretensions. And you say, God, here I am. Vulnerable. Open. Humble. I need you. And you shut that door
0: on pride. And the enemy can no longer come in through that door and stick his foot inside and try and take advantage of you. I came to tell somebody here today, God wants to set you free from all these things. But you have to be willing to say today, I'm going to shut the door on that. Stand to your feet. I'm going to shut the door on my passions. I'm going to shut the door on my possessions. I'm going to shut the door on positions. God,
1: I humble myself today. And I give in to you. You know another way of humbling ourselves? Another way of humbling ourselves is not just prayer. It's called worship. Can I, can I say something this morning without nobody getting offended? When we come to the house of God and the worship team is playing worship, we're probably sitting there with our hands in our pockets or just with our mouths closed. We have still not given in to humility to say, God, I might look like a fool if I raise my hands. And I might
0: sound like an even bigger fool if I open up my mouth and sing because I can't sing that well. But I'm humbling myself because I'm just simply doing what your word says. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. When It says lift holy hands unto God. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And those who are children of God are called to worship. Worship. When I come to church... And they're singing a song and I lift my hands. And that's a position of humility. Because I'm recognizing I surrender. I can't do this on When I open up my mouth and I sing to God, praise this unto him. I'm recognizing that he is bigger than I am. And I don't know if I can just suggest to you this morning. That if you want to shut that door on the pride of life and position. You'll be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to do something different that I've never done. I'm going to take a bold step of faith and begin to worship God like I've never worshipped you. Maybe you've never lifted your hands to God and worship, but today is a different day. Today is a new day. And you say, today I'm shutting the door on the pride of life. I don't care who's looking. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they think about me. God, I'm going to lift my hands because you are my Savior. Come on, church, can you lift your hands this morning? And say, I'm shutting the door. I'm shutting the door. Devil, you have no place in my life. Today I'm shutting the door. See, Jesus must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. That's what John said. John the Baptist said, Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. You want to shut the door on the enemy? You want to shut the door on pride, position, possessions, and passions? Humble yourself today before God. Say, God, forgive me for being prideful in certain areas. I've been holding on to anger. I've been holding on to sin. I've been holding on to resentment, to bitterness. I haven't been willing to forgive because of your pride. Because of your pride, you've been holding on to unforgiveness. God says, you want to be free? Shut the door on the enemy today and let go of your bitterness and let go of your anger and let go of your resentment and let go of your hurt and give it to God. Put it at His feet. Forgive, forgive, forgive. In your marriage, you're going to have to learn to forgive your wife. You're going to have to learn to forgive your husband. It's a lifelong thing. You've got to learn to forgive. Don't let the sun come down on your anger. While you are still angry, deal with that issue. While you are still angry, don't wait. Don't say, okay, let me count to ten. Let me take a day to think about it. No, it's clear in the Bible. While you are still angry, don't don't give anger control over your life. Even still, while you are dealing with that thing, while you still have that feeling, deal with it in that moment. And let God take control. So that that door can be shut. And God can have his way in your life. So that you can receive the freedom that God has for you. Totally and completely. I declare it in the name of Jesus. I declare freedom right now. free. I declare that you will be free indeed. In every area of your life. In your heart and in your mind. I declare freedom. Come on, lift your hands right now. Say, I receive your freedom, Jesus. I receive the freedom that only you can give. In the name of Jesus right now, Lord, freedom. Break the bondage of sin right now. Shut the door in the name of Jesus. And let God have his way. I declare It It is done. Thank you, Father. You know what we need to do in order to shut those doors and keep them shut? Is develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. We started 21 days of prayer. I believe we're on day 15, if I'm not mistaken. 15 or 14? 15, I think it is. There's still time for you to join us. You can you don't you don't have to come to the church at 6 a.m. But man, it would be great if you can just try it one day. I know it's early. But that you could just say, you know what, I'm gonna do something that I've never done in my life. I'm gonna get up at five in the morning to be at church at six in the morning. And I'm gonna give God that first part of my day. Before I do anything else, I'm gonna get on my knees and pray. I'm gonna shut the door on these things. Listen, maybe you can't get to church because of transportation issues or maybe because you work early. And so this is what I would recommend. Develop that lifestyle of prayer in your home. Get up a little bit earlier before you go to work. Before you take the kids to school. Get up a little bit earlier pray. If you can't do it that early because man, definitely you have so many things on your plate in the morning, you got to get so many things done then do it later in the day. It doesn't matter if it's early in the morning. If you can't do it in the morning do it in the afternoon. Do it at night before you go to sleep. But take out a part of your day and develop a lifestyle of prayer. Shut the door on the enemy and say, listen I don't want to continue living the same way, doing the same things. I don't want to have the same year I had last year. I want to experience something different in the name of Jesus. And I want to be free. I want to be free. Fast. Pray. Pray. Pray and fast. Fast. You don't have to fast from food. Maybe you can fast one meal a day. Maybe... It's just one meal, breakfast, or maybe it's lunch, or maybe it's dinner that you'll say, I'm not going to eat that meal. And instead of eating that meal, I'm going to go and do a devotional, I'm going to pray. Maybe it's not food. Maybe you're going to fast from coffee. Maybe maybe it's coffee, the thing that has you. You're going to say, you know what, I'm going to try and break the bondage. Maybe it's sodas. Maybe, Maybe, maybe it's video games. Maybe it's watching Netflix. Maybe it's TV. I don't know, maybe a social media, but decide and choose to fast from something that you can say, I'm going to shut the door on that, and I'm going to dedicate myself in this season of my life to seek God like I've never sought Him before. In the name of Jesus, Father, give my friends, give, give my neighbors, give everybody in this place strength to be able to take that step into this new journey in which they can serve you with their whole hearts and they can live lives in which they will be free and free indeed. In the name of Jesus, we declare this done. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who give. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please subscribe, share, take a screenshot, tag us, and I'll see you next time.